ready? Game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. What's up? Welcome in as we get into week 10 Bears and Vikings Monday night football ready to break it down as the Bears try to end their three game losing streak and prevent it from becoming a four game losing streak. Some good math right there. Well done. Thank you. I was a math major. I wasn't actually, but Monday night football. Last time the Bears were on Monday Night Football, all this nonsense started. And it was bad. <laughs> that bad? I, I, I'm still thinking of what you said last podcast and how the most Bearsian thing could be Kirk Cousins getting his first ever win on a Monday night this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly on the table. The Vikings are favored, and they should be favored. Um, however, as happens every week, you do have to step back a little bit, especially in the NFL, analyze. I mean, a lot carries over from week to week, obviously. We've seen that with the Bears' offense this entire season. But it is a new matchup every time. It is a new game. It's a, it's a new 60 Minutes. To work things out, and maybe the Bears can end this thing. I mean, that is the glorious thing about the NFL, is that most weeks' games are completely up for grabs. Welcome in. Adam Hogue and Adam Johns with you. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read him at The Athletic, theathletic.com, slash Hogan Johns is where you can sign up. It's also where you can check out the coverage on the Minnesota side with our guest that we're going to hear from coming up here in a little bit, Arif Hassan. Follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. And uh, he does a lot of really good analysis type of stuff uh, for the Athletic Minnesota. So we'll talk to him here in a little bit. You can read me, NBCSportsChicago.com. Uh, my latest piece is about a, a college quarterback from BYU who wears a headband. No, it's not Jim McMahon's son, but... There is a little bit of Jim McMahon in there. Zach Wilson, if you haven't heard of him, uh, probably a quarterback you want to keep an eye on here uh, as the Bears, I think, are going to be very interested in drafting a quarterback in April, and they probably should be. I, I really appreciate your willingness just to get through November, forget December, January. Who needs that? We're on the draft season. Yeah. <laughs> in Adam Oaks' world. Well, this is draft season, though. This is so always draft season. But this is yeah. when you actually get to watch the players. So I like to give our listeners sometimes well, most of them, some of them. <laughs> here's a yeah. Here's a here's a guy that you can watch. He plays for BYU. They make their own schedule. They don't they don't care about COVID. They've already played eight games. They want more. They got two left. They want more. They want to add two more games because they're BYU. Damn it. 
Uh, and I hope they do have more games because Zach Wilson's fun to watch and BYU seems to be on my television every single week because they're the only team playing. That helps. Anyway, uh, you can check that out at NBCSportsChicago.com. All right, we're going to reverse our normal order. Not necessarily reverse, but switch things up a little bit this week uh, as we get through the, the preview podcast. But uh, we'll start with our three big questions right off the top as we start to talk about the Vikings. This amazingly, Adam Johns, is the the Bears' tenth game of the season and only their second divisional game all season? Yeah, yeah. I think, as I put in my five keys for the postseason push, I think that's important for the Bears if if they want to make that postseason push. It's debatable, you know. Oh, that reminds me. I had it in my head. I meant to send you a gift today in response to that. What's that? It was a set piece. You know the Michael Jordan want the Michael Jordan gift where he, he says, "Stop it." Get some help. That's what I was going to respond to. Oh, I to. thought you were going to send the one where he looks at the, the tablet and he just laughs. Oh, that would have been a good one, too. It's a good one. That's what I would have done. Just keep it. Maybe for... I'll send them both after oh. the podcast. Okay. Well, now you've kind of... doesn't count. Anyway, I think I'm in charge of these three big questions uh, yes. this week. You're back, so let's get it going. Number one, Adam Hogue. Can the Bears keep the new NFL leading rusher, Dalvin Cook? under 100 yards rushing this week. So the interesting thing about this matchup to me is that there's a lot of similarities with the Titans from last week, I think. Um, Their offense really requires their running back to be on the field and play well. And when Dalvin Cook was out, things weren't the same for the Vikings. And, you know, the quarterback play is a little bit dependent on, on certainly setting up play action with the run. I mean, that's kind of how the Vikings do things. They did lose Kevin Stefanski, who's now the Broncos head coach, but that was really Gary Kubiak's offense, and now he's back in the spot where he's he's running the whole thing. So I think there's some similarities. You saw last week the Bears did enough against Derrick Henry, and I think, yeah, I think at home it'd be nice to have all the fans and the place going crazy. That's not going to be the case, but I, I think that I, I like the way things are – trending of course here's the thing it's been like it's the leakiness turns on sometimes and then it turns off and then it turns back on so my guess is that Dalvin Cook has a couple drives in this game where he really puts the Vikings on their back leads them down the field um, scores some points but overall when the game's over can he be over under 100 yards sure I think that's possible the difference in running back styles Concerns me a bit if I'm the Bears. Like, I feel like the Bears are just like they can handle a Derrick Henry who's faster than he looks, but the Alvin Cook is legitimately fast. If, if that well, he's shiftier, yes, yes. And I just think with Danny Trevathan being at his age and his struggles earlier in the season, like he's more adept at taking on a Derrick Henry. Like, the, the Bears defensive line minus Eddie Goldman. They can handle a Derrick Henry better than the shiftiness of a Dalvin Cook, who I, who I think leads the league in 10-plus yard runs. Uh, so there's more explosiveness here. He may not wear you down throughout the game like a Derrick Henry, but the threat of the bigger play is there more consistently, I should say. So do you have Cook going, going over 100? No, I actually don't. Okay. He's going to flirt with it. I like that. He's, he's going to flirt with it again. Okay. Just like Derrick Henry flirted with it. I don't know who's going to flirt with it for the Bears, but Dalvin Cook, maybe like 85, 95 yards. 
Cordero Patterson flirts with 100 yards. Oh, that'll be the day. Question number two. How miserable can the Bears make Kirk Cousins' life on Monday night? Well, the key part is the last two words you just said, Monday night. So they can make it very miserable. <laughs> Monday it's nights, simple as that. Monday nights are always miserable for Kirk Cousins. 0-9. Oh Look, this, this, this comes down to two things to me. First of all, it goes back to the first question. You know, can they slow down Dalvin Cook? If they do that, they make Kirk Cousins' life more miserable. They create better pass rushing situations. And we've seen what Khalil Mack can do to Riley Reef before. You know, I was actually just before we started here watching more of that uh, Lions, Vikings Lions game from Sunday. And there were a couple times where Riley Reef, like, straight up stoned the guy that was rushing against him in one on one. And I'm just thinking, like, that's going to be different on Sunday. You know, he's going to be facing a much better pass rusher, even if it's Robert Quinn, who's, you know, underwhelming at this point. There's still more to worry about up front than what the Lions are throwing at you uh, on their defensive line. So I think you slow down the run, but more importantly, and this is the question and the thing I doubt the most, can the Bears get a lead? Like, can they can they play with a freaking lead for once? That helps your pass rush. If you have a lead, not even a big lead, like can you just start the game 3 nothing? Any lead. Two nothing. Get <laughs> Two nothing. Start with a safety. Go get it yourself, defense. <laughs> Seriously. Or, yeah, how about a pick six? Something like that. But, yes, Monday night, Bears defense, they got the orange jerseys going. They did that two years ago against the Vikings on Monday Night Football, right? Eddie Jackson had a pick six. So, quickly before question number three is, here, here's Cousin's stats over, well, since 2018, since the Nagy era took over for the Bears. Uh, obviously, he didn't play in the season finale. Uh, last season, because the Vikings were in, the Bears were not uh, when it comes to the playoffs. So in three games over the past two seasons against the Bears defense, Kirk Cousins is 77 for 115, 627 passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. One of those is the pick six by Eddie Jackson. He's been sacked 12 times. 12 times, Adam. You like that. Ooh, I like that. No. No, Kirk Cousins does not like that. Well done. Well done. Question number three. Can Nick Foles reach a passer rating of 105.1? That number is being used by me because that is the average quarterback passer rating against the Vikings this season. Again, it's 105.1. FM, bringing you the hits of the 80s. This is what it sounded like you were doing there. Uh, I am going to say maybe I feel like I feel like Nick Foles' passer rating every week is better than he actually plays. <laughs> last week is a great example of that because last week was the first time his passer rating beat the season average of what the opponent is allowing. He had a 99.4 against the Titans. Um, he beat that uh, the season average mark by like three or four. Um, I forget exactly, but again, that's misleading, right? Because you're down twenty-four to three with five minutes left. Garbage time stats improved yeah. his numbers. So, yeah, you know, and, and passer rating can be just an incomplete stat, but just in terms of what quarterbacks are doing against the Vikings this year, it's been good. They're completing a lot of passes. They're throwing a lot of touchdowns. I don't know if Nick what Nick Foles can do this week. Yeah, but it's it's been trending in the other direction. You know, the defense is getting better. Those young corners, those rookies that they they drafted are 
learning. You know, Mike Zimmer's a good coach, and especially on the defensive side. So I'm going to say no. I don't think he gets the 105-1 FM. Classic rock. Why not? Okay, listener question number one. Oh, how about this? It's from Holland Oates, type beat on Twitter. Okay. Is there one team left on the you schedule? Can, you can hear that on 105.1. There you go. Classic rock. Is there one team left on the schedule the Bears can beat? My argument would be no, given that you actually have to score points to win a game. Little joke there. I see a one potential 0-0 tie that could be in play, Jaguars. Even the Lions will score three points. So This is the opposite of Bob Dabrowski. Yes, yes, this is the the pessimistic joke. But I, I get what you're saying because you still look at the Texans, Sean Watson, Nick Foles. Sometimes you just pick the better quarterback. You go with Watson. But I don't know how many uh, – here, here's the better question. I, I don't know how many of these games, these upcoming games, the Bears are actually going to be favored in. E- even the Lions, the second matchup with the Lions, I don't know if they're going to be favored in that. Maybe one and a half? I mean, if they played next week and the Bears were one on – Monday, they'd definitely be favored. I think even if they lost, they'd probably be favored. But yeah, I, I mean, the, I get the point. Because I, I, how about a better example? I, I, I'm not sure I'd be favored against the Texans because the Texans still have Deshaun Watson. You know, but they're they're a tire fire right now too. Yeah, maybe a good way to look at this is uh, in my playoff projections masterpiece we'll call it you know you can send me that michael jordan gif anytime you want my friend i i looked at uh, strength of schedule and the bears have the third easiest strength of schedule left amongst all teams uh that and other teams like the cardinals and the rams who are ahead of them in the wild card rankings have more difficult schedules ranking ninth and 12th according to tankathon Hmm. Fun facts. Well, look, they do have winnable games. Here's the thing: they should. I'm gonna phrase it this way: they should still beat the Lions at home. They should beat the Texans. They should go on the road and beat the Jaguars. Okay, just starting there. But that's still only three. That brings you to eight and eight. If that's all you win, so. If if they're if they're if they're going into Jacksonville having not won a game in a long time and they lose to the Jaguars, everybody's getting fired. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the scenario that's the scenario where everything gets blown up. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um because as bad as things look offensively, I still think their defense is too good and it's the NFL and you're gonna manage to win a game coming up. Maybe yes. even Monday night. Yes, that would require like the, the, the cleaning house scenario. That would require a catastrophic situation in your defense where, knock on wood, injuries occur again, and they can't keep playing at the level that they're playing at. And right now, there's no signs of that. Like, they give, like, even as bad as the Titans game got, they still gave the defense, uh, the offense a chance. You know, they still gave them a chance against the, the, the uh, Saints. It, it's there. They have it in them. They just, a couple takeaways here or there, and we could be having a different conversation. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. Our big uh, picture listener question. Um, this is from Jake the Dog, ninety three on Twitter. Should offensive line be a priority this draft rather than drafting another possible quarterback for the future? Which college QBs 
would you recommend I pay attention to? I put this in for you, Adam Hogue. We'll see. There are people out there that want to know who they should be watching right now. Jake okay. the dog is one. Thank you, Jake the dog. 93. Uh, I got asked this question by J.J. Stankovitz in our our uh, film review this week. And, you know, I think it's close enough that... Actually, I'm no, I don't think it's close enough. I think you go get the quarterback. Unless, unless you know, you don't reach for a quarterback that you don't really love. You got to have that conviction, right? Ooh. That word, Ooh. conviction. But if so, if you don't, then you go get the offensive lineman. However, look as 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 bad as things are tending to get on that offensive line, I still think you can get by. I don't think this is smart, but I think you can get by with Charles Leno and Bobby Massey. There are worse tackles in the league. Than I them. feel like a lot of people just stop listening to our podcast. But okay, continue. As opposed to, I'm not again. I'm not saying I advise that. But if you had to pick between that scenario and trying to get by another year with a random quarterback, I wrote this Sunday after the game. These problems, big. you want big picture question. Here's a big picture answer. Nothing changes big picture until you solve the quarterback. That's your number one. It has to be the number one thing that you solve. Here's you're what not, I would. You're not going to a Super Bowl anytime soon until you find a quarterback to build around. Here's what I would do. So the right now the Bears are looking at what? A 15th, 16th, 17th overall pick? 20th? Yeah. Something like that, right? So if those top four quarterbacks are gone, talking about Trevor Lawrence, who is absolutely gone, Justin Fields, absolutely gone, your guy from BYU and the kid from North Dakota State, right? If those guys are gone, by the time your pick comes up, you do offensive tackle. You finally pick that offensive tackle in the first round because sure. I don't think you should force the pick. Well, I agree. But I would also say that if you're – if Zach Wilson from BYU slips to – 10, 11, 12, I, I'm not going to be sitting there on draft night complaining about how they they traded draft capital to go up and get the quarterback. Oh, they made their play again. Could you imagine? We're, we're completely getting sidetracked from this Monday night game, but could you imagine the... Oh, I can imagine. I lived it. Yes, yes. Well, like imagine it again. This time, like doubling down on the trade-up scenario to go up and get your quarterback after what just happened with Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Woo! Yep, I can see it happening. I guess the difference is when you're sitting at three and you go to two to get the first one, when it wasn't... Trubisky was the consensus, number one guy. People want to rewrite history, but it wasn't completely obvious. Not like Trevor Lawrence being number one this year, right? Okay, I'm talking about quarterbacks with Trubisky, obviously. But I could see this situation where if there's four guys... And you're down to the last, clearly the fourth guy. I don't know that fans would be as upset. I think fans are smart enough to know they have to solve this quarterback thing, and they gotta, they gotta take swing. You can't fix a quarterback without taking swings. You gotta do it. I know Arif is coming up here shortly, so I want to leave everybody with this question to ponder now until the end of the season. Do Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace get the opportunity to make that decision together? I think that's to be determined. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's bring in Arif Hassan from The Athletic Minnesota. Follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. You should this week as uh, you, you get ready for this game. Always great analysis on both The Athletic and on Twitter. Really good follow on Twitter. Reef, thanks so much for joining us as we preview this Monday night game between the Vikings and Bears. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a Monday night game, so a lot of attention towards both of these hilarious franchises, I think. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much do you miss the the mentions you would get about Mitch Trubisky throwing left? Like, are you going to miss those? Yeah, honestly, I am. Like, for a while, I was like, well, this is kind of annoying. But I, it turns out he wasn't throwing left very often. So it would only be special occasions when I would get the, when I would get, you know, those mentions. So, yeah, I miss it a little bit. Yeah. The banter, the successful <laughs> throws to the left yeah. that show up in your mentions. <laughs> Uh, no, it was it was great. Uh, now, I mean, I I still get questions like, "Hey, does Foles throw to his left and stuff like that?" And it's like, well, it's not as fun because it's not like as stark, right? You know, even if there was a split, which I don't think there is. Yeah, unfortunately, Mitch is hurt, so I don't even know that there's even like a a scenario where he could come in the game Monday night. Yeah, I don't think so. It's uh, it's former Viking Kyle Sloter is uh, on the practice squad right now. He might get elevated right before the game and. Uh, there's another one, Tyler Bray, right? So yeah, w- one of them's probably gonna probably Bray, but one of them's gonna get elevated, right? Tyler Bray's more like a tall coach. <laughs> 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 that's what he, I'm just being honest. Like, yeah, that's pretty on, much what he is. He's yep. been on the team since Matt Nagy's been here, and they go back to Kansas City. He's just a six foot seven guy, you know, who drinks coffee all the time in the locker room and happens to be viewed as more like a coach. Well, it's kind of like Sean Mannion, right? They never signed him to play. So, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and he's tall too, right? Uh, yeah, I think he is. Uh, pretty- I always get confused because like, Case Keenum was always like the short guy. Uh, but they brought in a couple of short guys like Taylor Heineke and so on. But I'm pretty yeah. sure Sean, uh, Sean Mannion's also a tall coach. Well, they did go from short coach to tall coach because Chase Daniel was basically the same thing. Uh, and now, but you saw him on Sunday because he played yeah, for the yeah, Lions. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't dice the Vikings apart quite like he did last year. That's right. That's <laughs> right. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk more about the Vikings here. So, obviously, Dalvin Cook is outstanding and fun to watch. Um, and we were talking a little bit earlier about how important he is to this offense. How important he is to Kirk Cousins, really? Because a lot of times Kirk Cousins just looks like a different quarterback when he's on the field. Uh, so take us back to when Cook was out, I guess, a little bit and just the importance of him being on the field uh, and how he changes the offense. Yeah, um, yeah, Cook was out a little bit already this year. They had to play Alexander Madison. Madison is, uh, I think, a very capable running back. Um, but, you know, clearly, you know, Cook is demonstrating that he's got, like, star capability and home run potential, which Madison doesn't really have. Uh, and I think that, more than anything else, is, is the impact that he's having on the offense. He's one of the few running backs that has, like, you know, positive expected points. And you, you can take a look at every advanced metric, and he's near the top of it. Um, yards after contact per attempt, rush yards over expectation per attempt, total rush yards over expectation. He's leading the league in, in rushing yards despite missing a game and a half. And those are not things that you would expect of Alexander Madison, right? Um, he's fine. He's good. But um, 
he's going to get, you know, kind of what the blocking gets you plus a little bit more, which is what you'd really ask of a backup running back. Uh, and uh, it really does seem like the Vikings just call different plays when, uh, when, when Cook is in versus when Madison is in. And it turns out that those plays are a little bit more efficient um, for Cousins. Plus, I mean, the defense seems to key in a little bit more. Um, there's not a ton of statistical evidence that would indicate that this normally happens, but it really does seem like that's the split between Cook and Madison, where the defense just seems to key in a little bit more when Cook is on the field. Play action does seem a little bit more effective. The on-off splits for Cook and Madison are pretty dramatic. So, um, yeah, it really does seem like this is Cook's offense, which, you know, we'll, we'll see how sustainable that can be going forward, you know, in a 2020 NFL when uh, passing numbers are through the roof. But uh, right now, um, you know, the Vikings are, are, I think Kubiak said it two weeks ago, as, as Cook goes, the Vikings go. What about how Kirk Cousins goes on this podcast he's become officially unofficially like my guy i don't, I don't know guy? why really? or, or how he became my guy on this well podcast. it started it started <laughs> when he was still in washington oh you wow were, okay you were like a legit Kirk cousins oh guy. yeah yeah because i thought the bear should sign him that, that's a long time ago okay he's yeah. my guy because i mean it sounds still, like you were right though yeah yeah thank you thank you thank you Yes. Wow, we that's a end, low bar, we, we, though. We, we can end, <laughs> end this podcast right now. I, I, thank you. I mean, thank you're you. not wrong, but <laughs> I also am not sure you're right either. Uh, I mean, oh, I'm I, right. I, I feel I'm like right. I feel like Kirk Cousins with this uh, with this Bears defense would probably go a little bit further, but um, yeah, I, I think Kirk Cousins is is a pretty good quarterback. The only issue is that. Um, and I used to hate this kind of analysis. I used to hate it when people were like, ah, when playoffs come around or playoff football or, or clutchness. I'm not a huge fan of that kind of analysis, but you can break it down to specific skill sets, and, and Kirk is lacking some of them. I think situational awareness, for example, is something that he's kind of fallen behind on, and he's gotten better at it with the Vikings, but it's still clearly a weakness of his. So things like during the two-minute drill, when there's not a ton of timeouts left, he might you know, take what the defense gives him, which is obviously exactly what the defense wants you to do, throw it you know, kind of intermediate over the middle and drain the clock versus making some more difficult sideline throws that the defense is obviously contesting. Those are the throws that are going to win you the game too. And so he doesn't do a lot of that. There's not a ton of comeback victories under his, uh, uh, under, under his like leadership as a quarterback. Um, there's not a ton of, you know, he's not necessarily great on third and long. He's not, you know, awful at it, but when you take a look at his performance on other downs, there's a clear difference that he's just much better when he can play textbook football versus when he has to play a little bit more intuitively. Um, this year he's been a little bit better kind of rolling out and stuff like that, but he's also, you know, it's, it's difficult to talk about the places where he's better because at the beginning of the year, he was throwing a lot of picks and very uncharacteristic picks too. He's usually pretty good at reading the defense, um, pre-snap, but, um, for some reason for a while, linebackers were kind of invisible to him. It was like the Jameis Winston problem. Uh, and so he was throwing a lot of picks and, uh, and, and we're not seeing those uncharacteristic picks anymore. Uh, and his accuracy has come back. Um, but it does help that he's only apparently throwing it 14 times a game too. So, um, who knows? But yeah, he's he's a quarterback where I think if you're ahead or you're even, um, you know, he's he's I think a top ten guy. I mean, there's a bunch of new guys that that could easily kind of you know put that uh, into contest. But I think last year, two years ago, this kind of level of performance that he has when you're even or or ahead, you know, he's he's a really great quarterback to have. But when you're behind and the defense knows that that he's going to throw the ball, when play action becomes a lot less effective, something that you know he's become very reliant upon, um, when uh, when there's a lot of really good 
pre-snap disguise, which uh, the Bears are actually pretty good at, um, that is something that he struggles a little bit more with because he's really great at pre-snap diagnosis. He's really great at, you know, read it, throw it. You know, he knows where in the progression he should be, and he goes through his progressions pretty quickly. But as soon as something's a little bit confusing or acquires just a little bit more kind of intuitive thinking, like knowing where the down markers are and stuff like that, that's kind of where he falls apart a little bit. And so that's kind of why it seems like he may not be a quarterback built for the playoffs. Although that comeback against the Saints after – kind of allowing them to come back at all uh, in overtime last year is a pretty good repudiation of that. So you can grow, but it's a problem. I don't like always giving the quarterbacks the the records, right? Coaches and quarterbacks get the records. Yeah. Uh, just the other day um, on the broadcast, Mitch Trubisky was given the 3-0 and record this season, even though we know that third win <laughs> came because Nick Foles replaced him you know, on the road in Atlanta. But I got to ask you, this 0-9 Monday night uh, football record that Kirk Cousins has, you know, it's always a storyline, him in primetime games. I'm curious what you think of it and what he always thinks of it since it always seems to come up in storylines for games like this. Well, he's a little baffled, um, which I don't know if that's a good sign or not. I'm gonna, I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, if he has no idea why that would be the case, maybe because he doesn't feel any different on Monday night, which would be a good thing, I think. But um, some of it is just, you know, when you're playing Monday night, you're playing against better opponents. I mean, a lot of these Monday night games happen to be against the Seahawks, for example. Um, so I think that's part of it. Uh, I think part of it is, uh, you know, th- like you said, it's it's kind of a team thing. And if um, if Alexander Madison gets a yard uh, against the Seahawks in fourth and one, now his record is one and eight on Monday night versus, you know, oh and nine. Uh, and so... You know, that's part of it, too. And then it used to be – and we also get to pick our, our points because it used to be primetime games, but then he won a Sunday night game. Now no one ever talks about it. Uh, and so uh, some of it, I think, is just – it's a little bit of circumstance. Some of it's just, you know, hey, you happen to play better teams on Monday night. That's who they tend to schedule, although in the last couple of Monday nights that's not been the case. This one doesn't seem to be the case. But they tend to schedule better games, and, and a lot of times it, it has happened to be the Seahawks. Um, who they're winless against under Kirk Cousins, actually under Russell Wilson, actually. So, um, you know, that's that that's just kind of happenstance. Uh, is he worse under the bright lights? I don't necessarily think so. I don't think the numbers reflect that once you adjust for the level of opponent he's played. Um, but that's, that's I think, just a critical part of it. And I think some of it's just, you know, circumstance. Again, you, you get a yard on fourth and one, and now he's one and eight. Arif, I don't know if I'm on, in the minority on this, but... Yeah. I actually really like the Vikings offseason and really yeah I I I thought it was a very good diagnosis that teams in the NFL don't do a lot where they they admit that they probably can't win a Super Bowl with what they currently have even though they're competitive and they get out ahead of falling apart because how quickly things churn in the NFL and how quickly a defense can fall apart so I, I thought that they made a really good, smart diagnosis that they didn't necessarily have to rebuild completely, but with all the draft capital they had, how many picks did they have again? Was it 14? They ended with 15, but I think that, they started I mean, with 13. I don't know. That's crazy. So I And I just love their draft, too. I love they, uh, they, they traded Stephon Diggs. They replaced him with a kid who looked great in, in Jefferson. They addressed the offensive line early. They addressed those cornerback spots and they said, hey, look, we're going to be young early and 
it's going to probably be a struggle a little bit, but we think we're going to get better as the season goes along. Now, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to start as poorly as they did, but they, to me, from the outside, it looks like they are a team that's getting better. And they kind of said, hey, look, if 2019's or 2020 is not our year, that's okay because we're going to be better off in the future. So taking that analysis for me, what is your response? And I guess my original question was going to be, how are people in Minnesota taking it? Uh, did they have higher expectations for this year? They did have higher expectations for this year. I don't think their offseason was particularly popular. And I think the reason is because um, they were trying to thread that needle. So I think you're right that they diagnosed kind of where they were. They knew that they weren't really Super Bowl bound with the roster that they had. They identified some weaknesses they could get better at. Um, but it is, um, it, it's kind of one of those scenarios where I, I actually do have a lot of sympathy for it because you have to take the risk that you're going to get worse in order to get better. Um, because unless you roll the dice and, and know that there's some upside here to tap, but you're going to have to get rid of a floor in order to do it. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to kind of overcome the San Francisco's or this year's Green Bay Packers or the Chiefs or whatever. And if the goal is not to just be competitive, but to win a Super Bowl ring, you have to, um, you know, take some chances and get rid of um, some high floor players in order to get some high ceiling guys. Uh, and those high ceiling guys are not always going to pan out. Uh, and so that's what happened. They they got through a, a cornerback group that, um, you know, all three started. It was a, a pretty high level defense, but they themselves were not necessarily performing you know, remarkably well. Um, you know, Xavier Rhodes was kind of the big weakness there. Trey Waynes was fine, but he was going to be too expensive to keep. And then Mackenzie Alexander didn't want to return to the Vikings. So um, you end up with three new starters at cornerback. Some of them are going to be those rookies that they drafted. They ended up making a really remarkably good pick. So far, it seems, in the third round with Cameron Dancer. Jeff Gladney just came off of a really good game, so he might actually end up being, uh, you know, a pretty good pick. And it might take some time because they didn't have, you know, an offseason. And the younger you are, the more that offseason probably matters. Uh, and so... You know, they, they, they correctly identified, and I thought this was the right move, that Everson Griffin was not going to be their guy going forward, even though he was coming off of a pretty good year in the aggregate. It turns out that seems to be the case. Um, you know, the Linval Joseph move to kind of let him go, that was kind of interesting. And I think if, if Michael Pierce hadn't opted out, that would have been, you know, they would have had a pretty good uh, run defense there. Um, but, you know, the, the problem is... Um, their investments along the offensive line have been a little bit baffling. They got rid of their best interior offensive lineman. They haven't signed him back. No team has, so maybe they're right. I don't know. But uh, the, the interior has struggled a lot. Um, Ezra Cleveland uh, has had a better game now, uh, and we'll see if he continues to improve. But um, he's only there because he's the backup to the backup. Um, who got injured and was also just really catastrophically bad at the position. And their starting interior offensive line is just not that good outside of Garrett Bradbury, who has improved. Uh, I don't think they could have anticipated Riley Reef playing better than he ever has before. So there's some things where I think they could have done more to invest in the offensive line, and, and that would have paid off in dividends. Um, I think that they didn't do a great job finding a third receiver. They could have used that. They wanted to be an 11 personnel, and at the beginning of the year, that wasn't working out for them. Um, I, I think they made some mistakes this offseason. I think the biggest one is when they extended Kirk Cousins and prevented them from having cap space for the future. So if they want to get better in 2021, 2022, Kirk Cousins' contract is now a bigger impediment than it ever has been. And so if that's the idea, now they're in a rough spot. And they didn't actually use any of that extra space uh, until they kind of panic traded for Unique Ngakwe, which is not really, I would consider, an off-season move. Uh, and so, although it technically did occur on the off-season. Um, I would say, you know, and, and they didn't anticipate Daniel Hunter getting injured either, but I, I would say that they should have been more aggressive in free agency given the cap space that they ended up creating with some of the moves they made, making Eric Kendricks kind of 
um, restructure his deal, making, you know, giving themselves space with the Kirk Cousins and pushing it forward and so forth. And and they didn't find another way to grab an impact player when they clearly could have used at least one more. Because I think with just one more impact player, um, this would be a different conversation. Instead of trying to come from behind and sneak into the playoffs, it would be kind of holding off competitors and, and being in playoff position. So everything you just said there, are you leaning Bears this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, this this one's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about it? Just in terms of the any matchups you're looking forward to, and then I know it is Thursday, but where are you leaning? I guess this early in the the weekly process. Um, I mean, part of me just wants to pick the Bears, not just because the Monday night thing. Um, it's like I can say it doesn't matter, but then in my mind, it's just it's always kind of hanging there. And then there's also the fact that the Vikings, I think, underperformed the spread by about a touchdown on average at Soldier Field, um, which I don't think is true for any other opponent that they've had. I don't think it's true for any other opponent the Bears have. Um, and it's been true since the divisional realignment in 2002. They've just been they're three and 13 or three, actually three and 15 at Soldier Field. And they've been fairly even uh, in terms of team quality since 2002 overall. Uh, and I don't know why that is. I can't explain it. And if I can't explain it, I don't really want to use it as a reason that I'm picking one team or the other. But it's always just going to kind of be in the back of my mind. If I'm taking a look at you know the rosters, if I'm taking a look at the matchups, if I say the Vikings offense versus the Vikings defense is going to be really interesting, the Vikings offense on paper is actually really efficient since week three, um, the, Viking, or the Bears defense is really great, um, I would take the Vikings defense over the Bears offense. Um, that one's going to be kind of a less interesting, weaker matchup. And if offense matters more than defense, then yeah, the Vikings should win. And that's what Vegas says. They're They're ahead by two points. And I'm going to go with my head this time and say it should be the Vikings, but I know I want to pick the Bears just because of that history. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> I think I think I'm thinking about this game very similarly. I just might go the other way and actually go with what I can't explain. Sometimes it's just uh, yeah, a gut yeah, feel. Sure. It's the NFL. Yeah. We we keep <laughs> saying on this show the the most Bearsian thing, Bearsian thing this season would be for Kirk Cousins to end his losing streak in Monday Night Football against them. Oh, yeah, I could see that. That would be, I, I mean, it would be a pretty Vikings thing, too, because this is kind of one of the more pessimistic. So Vikings fans are inherently pessimistic. I think that's pretty understandable. Um, this is one of the more we're favored and still pessimistic sort of things that that I've seen from a fan base. I think they're like, the Vikings are about to turn a corner and this is about to screw things up. Um, maybe the Vikings can make a playoff run, but now they have to play the Bears on the road. It doesn't matter how bad the Bears are. The Bears were bad last year, and the Vikings, you know, really screwed the pooch, especially after Chase Daniel came in. Um, it, it doesn't matter is is kind of the thing that Vikings fans have about this game. So uh, it also is a Vikings thing for them to completely defy expectations in games they were favored, they've lost this year, and games that they were uh, not favored, they've won. Um, you know, who knows, right? So they they tend to defy expectations a lot. This would be a fairly funny game for Kirk Cousins to to break his Monday night streak. Arif, thanks so much. Awesome insight. Uh, appreciate your time. And again, for our listeners, go if you're not following him, you should be on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, John's hell of a break down there. I feel like we got this game covered. Now it's time to make our predictions. Bold predictions. What do you got? So our streak, my streak, ended last week. The David Montgomery touchdown pick. You are yeah. on, you know, I gave it to Fishbane a little bit. He didn't seem to like it, and, you know, my, my mojo was a bit off. So this one I'm leaning defense for my bold prediction. And I'm going to say Khalil Mack has – okay, here's a better one. Forget Khalil Mack for a second. We got to get bold here. Robert <laughs> Quinn – has more than one sack. That may just be a sack and a half, but he gets back on the board for the first time since his first snap ever for the Bears, which came in week two against the Giants. So a sack and a half for Robert Quinn this week. No. I'll take the under on that one. Uh, Where I will take uh, the over is if you were to set the over-under on... Roquan Smith interceptions at a half, I would take the over. Because my bold prediction is that Roquan Smith picks off a Kirk Cousins pass in this game. What does he do with it? He uh, falls down, fumbles it, and the Vikings recover. <laughs> Just kidding. Brutal. No, I don't know. Brutal. He gets tackled. Okay. He takes. He goes five yards and gets tackled. I was going to say, his, his last near interception, it was, you know, almost... There. Yeah, well, he could have beaten the Saints if he had caught the ball. It's true. That happened. That happened. Predictions. I'm going Vikings 16 to like nine. I just can't pick the Bears right now. I need to see more. I don't even like the – it's going to be a low-scoring game. The Vikings defense isn't even that good, but the Bears – like the Bears' defense sets the tone in this one, becomes a defensive battle, but Kirk Cousins is going to make more plays. He just is my guy. He's going to make more plays than Nick Foles. Uh, I just want. I think at this point, when you're evaluating the Bears' offense, you just need to be proven wrong about it, right? Like they need to prove themselves right by just simply being better across the board. So give me the Vikings in this one, sixteen to nine. That's three field goals by our guy Cairo Santos. I agree with you that the Vikings are going to score 16 points. And you're right that you're at a situation with the Bears offense where you just got to kind of pick against them until they prove you wrong. However, you could say the same thing about Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football. And that's where I disagree with you because it's still Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football. And I do not agree that he's going to make more plays than the other quarterback. Even if it's Tyler Bray. 
Now, in that situation, I would say Kirk Cousins would make more plays. I'm going to pick the Bears to win. And it's because I think they... 16 is exactly what I had for the Vikings. But I think the Bears score 20. And it's because I think they switch play callers. I think Ooh. it's going to happen. And make me be clear at this point, because it's Thursday... Uh, I'm not reporting that. That is an opinion I'm giving here on this podcast, and I'm guessing. But I think that door has been wide open, and I just think that they reached a point where they have to do it, where even Matt Nagy needs to understand that that's the smart thing to do this week. And I think that that is just enough to get things going in the right direction against a defense that is improving but does have youth does have holes, can be attacked. And I just don't think the loss of David Montgomery is that big. Not because of him, but just because the Bears don't have a running game anyway. So I don't know that that really moves the needle a whole lot. If the protection for Nick Foles is just a little bit better, maybe they get Cody Whitehair back by Monday. It's kind of a weird exchange today about Cody Whitehair with Matt Nagy. He didn't want to say anything about the symptoms, but then he did say that he thinks he's doing fine. So I don't know what that was all about. But anyway, maybe they get Cody Whitehair back by Monday. That would be huge. And yeah, I think the Bears win 20 to 16. Remember, Matt Nagy's 4-0 against the Vikings. The Vikings need to prove, Mike Zimmer needs to prove he can beat Matt Nagy. Kirk Cousins needs to prove he can win at Soldier Field and win on Monday Night Football. There's a lot of things that need to be proved on that side too in this matchup. Lots of storylines. There are. So, how about that for positivity? Good for Matt, you. Matt Nagy and Nick Foles want to be all positive, and they should be. And they're, Nagy was getting on us for not being positive today. So, how about that for positivity? I made that prediction before he said that, by the way. Should we pick some other games? Let's do it. All right. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. Uh, we have to talk about this one, apparently, because you put it on the list. But we have the uh, the Washington football team, Washington FT. At- <laughs> we pick all divisional games, Adam. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. We do. And unfortunately, this is a game that's being played this week. Washington at Detroit. The Lions are four and a half point favorites. Lions. That's my analysis. That's the tweet. Lions. I'll take the Lions to win, but... The football team covers. Okay. Good See, technically fo- last week, team. next, technically, if the Lions cover, I could come back next week and say I was right still because all I said was the football team. The Lions are a football team. Just saying. <laughs> next pick. Adam Jones! Ooh, that's from an upset of the Vikings a few years ago. Adam Johns, go ahead. You get a whole soundboard of me, don't you? I do. Noon on Fox, Buccaneers at Panthers. This is a decent game. Panthers are five and a half point home underdogs, which is a very interesting spread to me because the Panthers have been playing everybody tight. They went to Kansas City last week and played really well against the Chiefs in a losing effort, and the Buccaneers got blown out by the Saints. 
it feels like this one's begging you to, to bet the Panthers. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I look at this and I say, I really want to pick the Panthers. So the only thing telling me not to is honestly this fishy spread. I'm picking the Panthers. As fishy as as it is, um, I think the Buccaneers win, maybe by a field goal. But I'm I'm picking the Panthers with with the points. The reason we included this game, or I included this game, is now we're talking about playoff implications. the The Bears are trailing the Buccaneers, Cardinals, and the Rams in the wild card standings. So, if you want the Bears to have a worse draft pick, you're rooting for the Panthers in this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just I can't let a spread change my thought on a game. I just think the Panthers are they're playing teams tight. I think the Bucks bounce back. I think they do win, but I think this is close, and I think the Panthers cover. So I'll stick with that. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? Noon Fox Jaguars at. Packers, the Packers favored by 13 and a half in this game. That's a very Aaron Rodgers like spread, is it not? Yeah, I, th- I think the Jaguars they cover. Packers are going to win. Yeah, but 13 and a half is 13 and a half. Even if you just look at the stats, home field isn't the same as it was. I know Aaron Rodgers comes out firing sometimes, but yeah, backdoor cover. This screams backdoor cover. Yeah, I've been burned a couple times this season trying to take a team that had has a big spread and should win easily, like the Steelers last week against the Cowboys. I thought they'd cover that, uh, that giant spread. They didn't. So weird things happen in the NFL. I will uh, I will concur. Packers win relatively comfortably, but 13 and a half is too much in the NFL, and I will take the Jaguars. I can't believe I just said that. Chris Emma. Robert, what kind of dog do you have? I have a Rottweiler. There you go. 305 on CBS. The Bills are in Arizona. The Cardinals are favored by two and a half in this one. I like the Bills. Yeah, it kind of surprises me. The Bills got a big win against the Seahawks. Um, Cardinals are doing good things too, but... I think the Bills overall are a better team. Yeah, I I would just say I'm more sold on what the Bills are and potentially what they're building towards, too, as opposed to the Cardinals, who still seem to go through a couple growing pains. with They're, they're young, and but pretty fantastic quarterback in Kyler Murray. Yeah, I'll take the Bills here, too. Um, that was an impressive win they had the other day. It was kind of a... I thought that was a pretty big statement for them, especially after a couple... Not impressive wins against the uh, the Jets and the Patriots, we'll say, but they got that big win against the Pats that they finally need. Then they put it on the Seahawks. So I'll take the Bills in that one. And then our last game. <laughs> oh, that's a classic. Yeah, it's a that's man. A- that's a man sneeze right there. That's Adam John sneezing. <laughs> it was a couple times. Three twenty-five on Fox. The Seahawks, coming off that loss, go to L.A. and play the Rams, a team I just cannot figure out, the Rams. And the Rams are one-and-a-half-point favorite. Using the logic we just did on the last game, I tend to think the Seahawks are a better overall team, even though they do have those defensive struggles. 
I see the Seahawks are going to be a hard team to like consistently trust because of that defense and the issues they're having there. But I still like the Seahawks. I think overall they're a better team. And yeah. I'll take Russell Wilson over Jared Goff. Any day of the week. Any day of the week. So I'm going to take the Seahawks on this one as well. That's, that's winning outright all that. So if the Bills and the Seahawks win, just, just letting everybody know, like the Bears' playoff chances do improve significantly because the Cardinals and the Rams are the two teams they're trailing right now in the wild card standing. So just let that be known, everybody. That's a good point. If you're going to keep track of the Bears being hashtag in the hunt, which they probably are going to be for a while because if they were last year, but only six teams in the NFC got in the playoffs, now seven teams get in. And depending on what happens here with COVID and the schedule, they did pass that clause this week that they could go to eight teams from each conference getting in if the games don't get played. So um, just a lot of fluid things here in the coming weeks. But enjoy the game Sunday. You can actually watch those because they're not up against the Bears. Bears have to wait till Monday. You can put your pain off one day. But I think the Bears are going to win. How about that? I got them losing 16-9. to Nice. I don't like that score, by the way, but I'm not going to go back on it now. Maybe for my pick on the athletic, but... Yeah, you're you're definitely Not five minutes later after making it. I'll give you a little bit of a break because it is a day early. Okay, so I could change my pick. You heard heard that, everybody. There you go. There you go. All right. uh, Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the breakdown. Great analysis from Arif Hassan. Thanks to him for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. Thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison. And follow us on Twitter at Adam Johns, at Adam Hogue. Read us, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, and on NBC Sports, Chicago.com. Plenty of coverage there over the weekend in both places as we get ready for this game Monday night. We will be back, uh, what, most likely Tuesday morning with the uh, post-game podcast after this one. Don't forget our voicemail line, 872-221-0046. where you can get the hot voicemails, which were completely fair and warranted this week. I thought, get good it job out. by everybody. Yeah, get it out, feel better. That's your therapist line right there. 872, your hotline. 872-221-0046. Thanks, everybody listening. Enjoy the football this weekend. We'll talk to you after. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.